Welcome to Film Inquiries, the latest. This is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news, movie trends, and movie releases. I'm Don Lemon, and on the other line is Tucker Carlson. <laughs> Hi, I love trans people. I've been lying this whole time. What a media day. You and I are recording this on a Monday, and like Don Lemon got fired, Tucker Carlson got fired. Uh, There's James layoffs Cor- happening James at Disney. <laughs> just ended uh, carpool karaoke. Like there are plagues left and right, just ending. I have the the Disney live action Peter Pan movie screener sitting in my inbox. Okay, I've heard very little, but I have heard that like it's at least still a David Lowry film at its core. Yeah, I'm trying to decide whether I want to watch that tonight or I have like a couple stuff on my like HBO or my my soon to be just Max Q that is like expiring at the end of the month and I I need to I need to watch that stuff. I have an uncle named Max. He's kind of racist. Oh, well, tough beat for uh the Discovery Network, but yeah, Hunter, it really uh, does track though. <laughs> welcome uh back once again uh you know we have a pretty jam-packed episode this week because we are talking about two new releases i think the main one that we're going to uh spend a lot of time if we talk about chevalier because i did see that as well oh is that good uh it's pretty good it's like pretty standard it's pretty standard costume fare but kelvin harrison jr is so good I really like him, so I, yeah. I've kind of forgot that came out this weekend. And that's pretty much about it, I can say, for it. Beyond that, it's like, okay, cool. It's a Searchlight Pictures period piece. Yeah, it played and at TIFF, and I was sort shit. of like, eh, I think I'm I'm good sort of skipping this love for, some, for now. Love Samara Weaving. Love her. Love Lucy yep. Poynton. They're great. But, you know, it's just, it's kind of like that comfort food that I both love, but also, like, I'm not going to carry it with me throughout the year too too much. Yeah, maybe maybe you can put it on your ballot for like best costuming or something like that. There, oh, Samara Weaving wears one outfit in it, baby. The reveal of it, I was like, this has a nomination. That's okay. good, at least. Uh, That's all well, I have to say about that one. The <laughs> other ones, I actually have a lot to say about. Well, I think we're gonna start things off by talking a lot about Bo is Afraid, which I have a feeling is going to be one of the more curious movies of the year. It is already. Um, I think staking its flag in the sand is maybe the year's most divisive movie, but who knows? We still have several more months to go. Uh, this is obviously the third feature from writer-director Ari Aster, who previously made Hereditary and Midsommar. Uh, I would describe this as essentially, you know, to coin a phrase from another podcast, this is kind of his blank check movie, sort of the the guy that made two pretty successful kind of art house horror films for uh a24 and then now getting sort of like a blank canvas by them to just you know do do whatever you want and as it turns out whatever you want is a a lot three hour surrealist absurd comedy i guess um that stars joaquin phoenix as a man with Uh, a pretty extreme case of anxiety and maybe even more extreme case of mommy issues. Um, There's a lot, I think, for us to unpack here, but I think we should just start with with general thoughts, even though I think think you and I kind of know how we each feel about this movie because we were texting about it after we saw the screening. And I don't know that we're going to... I feel like you and I have differing opinions about whether or not we liked it, but I think we both like come down on the same points of it yeah it's it really does kind of come down to like i think everyone can well maybe not everyone i'm not talking about like middle america like you know people who are probably upset that tucker carlson just got fired type of like audiences but i think like most people who are actively seeking out like oh i know this director he did midsummer and uh hereditary or i like joaquin phoenix because he does weird shit like joker if you can call that weird shit but you know he's weird in it um you know people who are actively seeking that out whether or not they like the movie they can at least walk away being like that was that took risks Mm -hmm. that that was the most it did a a conversation piece at at the end of the day which i think is makes for fascinating i've already talked with a lot of people at work about the movie right and like mike the theater i work at we're getting it but we're not getting it until next week for some reason something time didn't time out right with our current movies 
So, like, all of us have already seen it, and it hasn't mm-hmm. even come to our workplace yet. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely, like, even... This is the type of movie that it's so weird that so many people got so mad about it. Because when I see people give it, like, a five on Letterboxd, mm-hmm. I'm like, I totally see that. I absolutely yeah. see that. And when I see a one star, I'm like, I totally see that, too. I get it. It kind of gets to what I was saying of, like, I'm not really interested in the sort of, like, fiery war that people are having about this movie on Twitter. But I, I am deeply interested in, regardless of whether people love it, whether or not they hate it, whether or not they're mixed on it, to to have deep, meaningful conversations about it with people. Because I do think, regardless about what you think about it, it, it is a work that is sort of, like, filled to the brim with stuff to unpack. And I think is 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 a rich text, whether or not you like it or not. Yeah, it's one of those movies that you can really sit and talk about how you interpreted it on your watch based on maybe how you view certain relationships within or interpersonal relationships you have with family or sexual partners or just kind of like your whole relationship with like isolation and being alone versus like, oh, you know, and the kind of anxiety like that deep, deep anxiety that comes with it because this movie is stressful to say the least um and you know and whether or not any of the really surrealist elements have like depth to it or if it's kind of working as like a you know working on just kind of a random amalgamation of different fucked up things that could happen to this man you could take it from like the shallowest of shallow to you it's that type of movie where if you really wanted to it might not be what necessarily Ari Aster meant but you could dig into that shit for days um did I mention I don't love this movie yeah I think you in you and I talking about this you did not really enjoy the experience of watching it for me I it reminded me a lot about my my Babylon experience which is to say both movies are um you know these massively ambitious projects from i think two of the more exciting filmmakers to pop off in the last 10 years yes from i think two two american young auteurs and this is the both movies these guys doing these wild big swing ambitious passion projects that i think at the end of the day the the sort of ambition exceeds their grasp a little bit and not everything totally comes together but I would still say for me, I admire the ambition of it a lot. I laughed throughout this movie. Just like I laughed throughout Babylon. And even though there are sections of it that I find maddening or really do not work for me or drag, um, there are still individual sequences and scenes in it that I I thought were like absolutely magnificent. So I, I think all that is to say, like, I think it is a movie that definitely, like Babylon, has flaws um and i think is 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 not i do not love as much as the other films by this director but i i sort of admire a lot of sort of the the ballsiness of it and admire a lot of like individual pieces in it if that makes sense yeah you know and i'm very similar i'm very on the same page in that i actually babylon and bo's afraid actually kind of fall very similarly in my head for me in that like not only did I just absolutely give them the same letterbox score at the end of the day, and I think I think I might like Bo is Afraid a little bit more, if only because I just gravitate towards this genre. I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to ascribe a it's, single genre to right. this movie because it's kind of every genre in a sense. Yeah, someone at work was after I saw it was asking me kind of like. Is it a so is it a horror movie? And I was like, no, it's not. But they so then they were like, so what is? And I was like, I guess it's kind of a comedy, but like I don't even it's sort of indescribable, yeah. like what it is. Yeah. And like one person at work was like, Oh, you saw like it was before it came out. They're like, Oh, you saw it. Did you like it? I'm like, hey. they're like, What's mm. it actually about? And I was like, Ah Yeah. <laughs> I was like, there's this man. His name is Bo. It's, he's, it's I think he's so afraid. So yes. fucking afraid. And honestly, that's kind of like I've I've been kind of telling people too, although I've I've gotten the sense on Twitter that it's a little hard to find now, like it must have been taken off of YouTube. But I told people I've been telling people it's very loosely based off of a short that Ari Aster did called Bo, 
that yeah. ba- basically like we'll kind of get into some of the more specific beats of this movie but you know for for your context so have you have you seen that short of his no i have not it's However, essentially like the first wanna, hour of this movie kind of compressed yeah. if that if makes you want to look it up you absolutely need to google ari aster bow short film do not under any circumstances google ari aster short film and watch any of the other ones because holy shit don't I I've seen so, what is what is the one about the um thing about the jo- Johnsons or something? Yes, the, I the, I the like that one, one, even though that like is a very uh it is you know it is a very disturbing darkly. He should I, have been put in jail for that. <laughs> but honestly, at the same it is, time, it is it's a perfect it, summation of his dark worldview, while also yeah. like very specific sense of humor that like you have to be on that wavelength. For. Okay, while we're here, while uh-huh. we're here, um. How do you think Ari Aster's mother feels every time he she goes into a movie that he makes? Like, my son made a movie, and I'm going to the premiere tonight. I'm so excited to see what he does. And it's, like, hereditary. It's like, okay. Uh-huh. You know, maybe maybe the next one will be a little bit right. a little bit better for me. And then it's, like, Midsummer opening scene. Uh-huh. Gassed parents. <laughs> and then it's, like, Bo is afraid. She gets through two hours of it. She's like, huh. Oh, yeah this oh god damn it <laughs> just like yeah he seems so normal but i'm like what did is it, your it mom really okay? is the funny are you okay it really is the funny thing about how our often our most like demented filmmakers are just like the sweetest people in real like like david lynch just being like jimmy stewart really yeah. in real life with a weird haircut or how like david fincher makes these like really disturbing movies but like you see interviews with him and he's like the funniest person in the world and has this very dry sense of humor me and one um, of my best friends currently i sent them the photo of um ari aster and mariah carey at the premiere and now i am ari aster in their phone <laughs> and she is mariah carey in my phone oh man that uh do you think, I did, she, I, do you think she watched the movie or do you think she just showed up for the photo op i do you like think that photo bo- was before <laughs> or after I like to believe that um, she is just as in on the joke of the one sequence um, that would explain that spoil, photo absolutely. as we'll. I'll throw up a. I'll throw up a, a spoiler, but I think she's just as in on the joke as um, Parker Posey is in this movie. Is what I would like to hope. I know Parker Posey is in on the joke, but I I sincerely hope Mariah Carey is. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's funny you bringing up line of the mommy issue thing because um I I was hanging out with my sister last night and she's a a therapist now and I was telling I texted her after we hung out and I said I really want to hear what you think of this movie Bo is afraid I do not think you'll like it but because you're a therapist I'm really interested to hear like what you think of this movie it's basically about like walking Phoenix is this guy with extreme anxiety and mommy issues and she seemed kind of curious by it I don't I have no idea if she will actually spend the three hours to to go to a theater and watch this or even fire it up at home but she you can absolutely tell her I do it like an Irishman do that shit that Netflix did of like, here's how you split this movie up. There are four distinct episodes of this movie. You They're kind of are split it into the apocalypse, the house, the play and the mom's the home. house. Yeah. The home. Yeah. You could easily split that up into four episodes. Should you? No. But if you want no. to, whatever. It, it is, was more like this is 1000% not her kind of entertainment. But when I vaguely described it to her, she was sort of like, I mean, I'm not not interested in in that because she's it's, in like the early part of her career where she's like, it's so exciting the psychoanalyze people yeah. and all of this yeah. stuff. It's best experienced as like a cheap beer shotgunned. Just <laughs> do it all at once. Um, yeah, I I think for me, you know, this is maybe getting into a bit of my Ari Aster thoughts. Like, I and I think part of my enjoyment for lack of a better word or more fascination with this movie i think is the better word is i there's just something about ari aster's films and his shorts that i think really speak to me on a very visceral level um i i I think it is something about not just his his sense of humor but also i the sort of the nightmarish images he is able to and themes he's able to conjure up in these movies i i just for me really strike a very deep visceral yeah. core and i think really get at 
anxieties and fears that I mean to hop in my own therapist chair that like I experience. Like hereditary is this like to the darkest depths of hell horror movie yeah. that is about sort of like the unspoken resentment that like families hold within themselves and what happens when that kind of bubbles to the surface. Midsommar, which I just rewatched the other day, is to me this movie that is about, you know, it the fear in that movie is not the fear of this weird Swedish commune. It's the the fear of loss. It is is the fear of losing someone that you are feel connected to whether it is a family member whether it is a partner whether it is a friend and and like who am i without yep. that connection and i feel sort of isolated in the world is sort of what that to me that movie is sort of playing on and a bit of like loss and multiple senses of like what happens when something is forcefully ripped away from you versus exactly what happens when you are the one who kind of initiates the separation and mm -hmm. for your own health or whatever i mean again people dig in of like she wasn't actually like a good person in the end that was actually a f***ed up thing to do i'm like do you think i don't know that do you think that like i get it the girl bossification of midsummer is like a but like I, yeah i'm totally we're not, not interested we're not in idiots <laughs> like come on no but uh, yeah and this is honestly i kind of i agree with you on that this is kind of the first not kind of this is absolutely the first ari aster film that i haven't kind of been head over heels for mm -hmm. um because i loves hereditary i saw that in theaters with my mom oh jeez. we were on vacation we were in paris and it came out like five days earlier in the u.s and i was like i have to see this movie i cannot wait till we go home and i found a theater in paris that was playing it in english mm -hmm. and my mom was like i want to come and i'm like no you don't and she's like i'll be able to handle it my mom turned to me at the end of that movie and went, did that scare you? And I went, yes. And she's like, I, I had nightmares for two straight nights. My after went, I that really saw wasn't that the bad. I was like, mom. Yes. I, I rewatched. I had not seen either of his first two features since the theaters. I think just because I felt so viscerally shook by them Yeah. It, in the moment. And I rewatched them both, uh, a, a couple weekends ago and was just like these yeah i mean at, un unsurprisingly these absolutely hold up it yeah. midsummer in particular i thought like aged even better than how i thought in the theater did you watch the director's cut no i didn't because i couldn't find it anywhere it's only on apple tv i think oh yeah that's that's the issue yeah i kept searching because i have amazon i kept searching yeah. that and then i kept trying to find um alternative motives to find it and could yeah. not find it there anywhere so yeah. it the only way i could find it was to like that, buy the dvd or something oh like i have that, that horseshit blu-ray release they did that was 50 dollars, and it's like doesn't even have a main menu oh. it's like it's like no special features it has that book that our friend jordan snyder also got and his fell apart when he opened i was about it. to say i heard you and jordan talking about how bad dollars. and like like poorly put together that the whole blu-ray was the five dollar lionsgate blu-ray that i bought of the theatrical cut has 10 times more special features because 10 times zero i guess is zero but like it's just it's ridiculous a24 you will be dealt with trust me um, but yes i i have heard the director's cut is is even it's better very, it's very good and uh but yeah and but i will say across all three movies i do agree with you in that ari aster puts out this sense of dread of just mm -hmm. like i have a pit in my stomach and i my nervous tick has been since i was younger throwing up mm. and literally no nothing makes me as sick to my stomach as an ari aster film or anytime i watch a new episode of yellow jackets for the first time for some reason and again mm. it's kind of like the genre isn't just horror straight up horror doesn't scare me it's when it's like takes the time to sometimes lull you into a sense of security and then take it away from you because this whole movie is like oh well at least this person he's dealing with is nicer than the last ones and it's like oh no they're not no they're not yeah no, they're not so, see Shit. it's interesting because i i almost had the opposite feeling watching this movie of of to me and you know I my anxiety is not nearly as bad as it is in this movie, but th this movie almost felt like a humorous way of e exploring sort of like the over the top way that like your mind can spiral out of control in anxiety. Yeah. Um, and and you know I've I've seen some people on Twitter kind of debating well. 
is is this a movie where like Bo's anxiety is brought upon by because he lives in this crazy world or is and, you know are the world what we I watch... can only describe as Fox News's vision of New York. <laughs> yes. Or is it because like you know this is a it's all a dream and it's all in his head. I'm sort of disinterested mm, in that. It it's, no. it's to me the more interesting way I viewed the movie is just it it is Ari it I mean it's in pairing with I think his other two movies which is like he is taking these subconscious fears and sort of literalizing them on screen. Yeah, like and wh- it, what would happen if you're if if what you think everyone is thinking about you at the peak of exactly. your panic attack was actually true. Exactly. Or even I don't think it's a spoiler to mention there is this subplot in this movie regarding like this lifelong crush he's had on this girl he met once on a cruise ship that then like as an adult is played by Parker Posey that he like reconnects with at some point. And even that is like this absurd spiraling idea that like we we can weave in our subconscious about like, oh, I have this destiny to run into this person again. And it's just like, no, that's just a random per you know, the logic part of your brain is like that's just a random person you met once. But but Aster is sort of literalizing that that thought pattern yeah. into this sort of Odyssey-esque narrative that the the bow character played by Phoenix is going to go on. Yeah, it's like the height of your panic attack. It's like everyone hates you and they think you're annoying and like a waste of space. And then this movie is like, yep, they sure are. Right. Or the way everyone that <laughs> wants to kill you. Or it's the way like, you know, to 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 me you know, open up about a little bit of my experience, like, um, you know, a moment where I was going through some really bad depression of a few years ago, and, you know, I moved to a new city, and this feeling I had, like, I'm just, like, the outside world is just this dangerous place, and just, like, some ran- some random-ass person is just gonna come up and, like, kill me on the street. And, like, taking, taking that kind of- Greensboro's absur- not that- not that dangerous (laughs) and so him taking that kind of absurd idea but like okay how can i you know quadruple it and sort of literalize that on screen and it is like at once like over the top and shocking but also there's something like i I think he finds something kind of perversely funny about it um in this movie that that i i that it, it 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 spoke to me even though there are sections i admit which i think we'll get into of this movie that for me really dragged or just like flat out did not work for me at all yeah it's just it, that's just the thing is that it feels like a, a collection to me personally a collection of vignettes that do not make like four good stories do not a cohesive three-hour movie make mm-hmm. and that's just kind of how it is for me i just yeah or like i i got to the end of the movie and i think we are i think aster wants us to have this sort of big emotionally cathartic gut punch at the end you know not too dissimilar to the way hereditary and midsommar ends but i think in this movie i did not have that feeling and as as i hinted earlier i was sort of impressed or thought individual sequences were like incredible or hysterically funny but by the end of this movie i did not have that kind of emotional catharsis that you know i had at the end of midsommar when you know florence p was watching her ex-boyfriend being like erupted into flames in that bear carcass and and it is this sort of cathartic like ending of a relationship happening in real time it i mean it rather it's a little um underwhelming the final Mm. like coming together of everything where it's like eh you know not it just didn't feel like a a not cohesive a conclusive ending to this incredibly long epic journey Mm -hmm. that this movie takes you on where it's like and done yeah and and even then like i think the final shot of the movie is completely brilliant but i there's something a little like cold and distancing about it to me that I, I just did not quite lock into if that makes sense. Yeah. And it was just, I don't know. I think 
in in midsummer you i say midsummer but you throw me off um but like yeah in midsummer and, and hereditary there's this kind of almost like anti-satisfaction that comes at the end where it's like mm-hmm. these people got up and mm-hmm. like but at the same time there's this kind of like rhythm to it where it's like yeah that makes sense this hit at the right time everything it feels is like, like it's building to something where yes, this is so kind satisfying. of scattered it it you lose that building i think yeah it's like it's satisfying of like everything from the fire onwards and hereditary is like mm-hmm. just everything it built up to everything from like the big crying sequence onward and midsummer has that i just for is it's a lot quieter of a um kind of building to that I think kind of maybe from Patty Lupone onward, which what she's credible in this movie. Like I so, think everyone's quite good in this. I, everyone I think the is whole good, cast is, is like really on point. She's just excellent. Like I and I'm not even a Patty Lupone gay. I'm not. I sometimes have I sometimes struggle with her, but like she killed that shit in this. Um and honestly it's the one thing of this movie where I'm like, hell yeah every mm-hmm. step of the way i mean granted she's only there for you know maybe the last hour or so of said steps but you know still very very uh good but it's just that it's a more quiet like talky ending to it mm-hmm. where it felt like there is a clear peak of the movie that it never fully gets back to at least in that like grandiose sense that everything built up to and then it mm-hmm. i don't want to say it went downward because it is so it feels good, like it but, kind of just keeps going and keeps yeah, going yeah and keeps going it doesn't build up to a climax forgive the pun but like um but rather i mean it sort of does but we'll, we'll get to that yeah but it's more it's it's kind of more of a bell curve and and there is a, an extended sequence and kind of the end of the second act of this movie that was never achieved again as mm-hmm. as the film finished up even as much as i loved you know as much as i loved the entire sequences with patty lapone and parker posey and such right it just never reached that like he's cooking feeling yeah. that i got from that sequence that i felt like finally helped pay off a lot uh, or helped kind of pay off this much slower section in the middle that i like mm-hmm. was lost a little bit at so let's kind of, I'll throw up a, a spoiler warning right here if anyone hasn't seen the movie, um, but I kind of want to break into sort of like the individual sections, if that makes sense, and kind of go through sort of, the we we can't hit every tiny little beat of the plot, but I feel like if we break it into sort of its, its four acts, kind of its four sort of yeah. settings it moves to, that might be a good way. Um, I don't know about you, I probably as a stretch of movie, that first chunk that's all set in New York where... Phoenix. It, I don't it actually like think hell- it's New York. I think it's like a fictionalized thing because I kept seeing. That's true. It was like it started with a C, like Covina or whatever. It was like a fictionalized version. But let's be real here. It's New York. It's 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 like it's the like fictional dreamlike eyes wide shut. You know, yeah. it's not or quite like New, York, New York, but it's sort in of the New 80s, York. You know, like seedy and yeah. just like, but with the craziness of like a post Trump social media. Right, it's it's Bo living in this um, metropolis that is just sort of overrun by, like, crime. There's, like, you know, people being stabbed, getting their eyes, like, gouged out right in front of his apartment. There's a, like, serial stabber who's also a naked homeless man that's running around the neighborhood. There is sort of, like, graffiti with every kind of, like, profanity laced comment you could imagine you know profanity that would make the cast of succession blush a little bit yeah like plastered all over the walls um you know there is a poisonous spider loose in his apartment it is just sort of this never-ending series of like hijinks and like visual jokes yeah that that is sort of the stretch of the movie where i really felt Ari cooking the most it's so blase though it's almost like i don't know if you've ever played um any of the fallout games particularly like fallout 3 obsidian Mm -hmm. entertainment when they did that it's fallout so it takes place after like nuclear war and it's like in the wake of like of literal nuclear fallout it's like 
capitalism still runs wild. Everyone's still awful to each other. Like it's, it really is just like our world, but worse just yeah. a little bit. And it's, it, it has that like same kind of humor of like the commercials he watches and how right <laughs> at first you don't necessarily, like you see it, but you don't necessarily put it together that like, his mom runs pretty much the amazon of this world right because it starts even like the production logos it has like an mw like mona wasserman logo yeah which i thought was like i was like i've never seen that i was like oh it's not a production company it's like yeah it's like a it's like a dig on like amazon studios or some shit which is kind of funny but uh it kind of remind me have you ever seen the the jacques tati movie playtime no it's basically you know his movie that basically is like you know it this giant like artificially created paris that's all on sound stages and it's basically like he has created this whole world in all of these like you know it is this giant like where's waldo mm-hmm. painting that you're looking at where like there's just gags on top of gags on top of gags and it's like this giant ant farm that you're watching of people moving around and every it doesn't matter how small the extra is, like, they're all part of some sort of giant, elaborate, like, matte painting, yeah. wide shot gag. And this kind of felt to me a little bit like the demented, like, middle school boy version of that, of, like, yeah. imagine, like, that, the aesthetic of that movie, but gone to hell, is yeah. essentially kind of what the first hour of this movie, or or 45 minutes, however long it is, of this movie essentially it's feels like. It's dystopian, but not in the sense of, like, ooh, we have, like corrupt government or there was nuclear fallout it's like hey what if our dystopia was just that everywhere was like a truck stop bathroom (laughs) just like the nastiest shit you've ever seen the worst graffiti on the walls you've ever seen just the like how did you like just the type of people where you're just like how are how did you get here yeah Like, like just it's this like i just want to leave i just want to get out of here like i i it made me uncomfortable and even that's the a good meta, thing. even the anti-anxiety medicine that he's meant to take like induces anxiety because there's the the like instructions on the bottle that's like must take with water otherwise you'll you'll die like die. i love i love the bit where he like looks up like the drug on the computer and it's immediately like obituaries of people who died <laughs> from it or it's like will cause cancer yeah. and then this great that great extended bit where he runs out of his apartment to the bodega across the street just to get a bottle of water and people are like he leaves the door to his building open and all the like crazy psycho people on the street are like slowly funneling in but he doesn't have enough change to pay for the water pay for the water it's just like it's it's so many like brilliant little like visual comic bits kind of stuffed into this one kind of first chunk of the movie yeah and like it, that's not where it peaked for me, but it definitely was the one where it was definitely the one where I was like the most on edge where I was like, mm-hmm. something's not right. I don't want to be here. I would like for him to get out of here. And like, yeah. that's half of the whole, like that's half of the whole fear is because he can't. Yes. No matter how so, hard he tries, he cannot. And it's just, it's, that is that opening like hour or so is genuinely great. Yeah, so eventually uh, Bo learns that his mother has died in a tragic uh, chandelier accident, which is another just sort of like funny, very specific like Ari Aster gag of like the chandelier fell on and like cut her head off. It's just, I, I don't know. What's that, better, just... that gag or the fact that Bill Hader is the one who delivers the news? Oh, man. I have to ask, like, speaking of Bill Hader, do you watch Barry? No. Oh, I know. I'll, 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 I, know. Well, I'll, I only ask because there I, I just watched this past week's episode and there is a cameo on this past on like last night's episode of Barry that would make you like very happy. Oh, no, I want to look it up. But also, I feel like it'll ruin it if I ever when I do watch it, because I do really want to watch it. Yeah, it's it's great. Um, So then I would say, you know, the second chunk of this movie as uh, Bo is fleeing on the street from the naked serial stabber um he and actually being stabbed by that serial stabber he is run over by a a a truck and is eventually wakes up in the home of a couple uh played by 
Amy Ryan and, and uh, Nathan Lane. Nathan Lane. This um, movie what, has oh, so many big Broadway like names in yeah, it. Yeah, it's interesting having like this very like intense method actor like Phoenix sort of in the central role. Um, who I think, you know, I don't know about you, I I really like him in this movie just because I like a bit more of the like low key kind of introverted Joaquin Phoenix but I also feel like he kind of helps ground the emotions of this very absurd movie but also having this Broadway cast like they're so perfectly dialed up to like oh I'm kind of playing a a Looney Tune cartoon a bit yeah yeah like you know it's like a mixture of you know obviously Patti LuPone is like the Broadway actress to end all Broadway actresses Mm -hmm. at least living you know obviously Nathan Lane Amy Ryan Stephen McKinley Henderson big Broadway actor Mm -hmm um you know all of that and even having here's how this is my um at this point this is my absolute litmus test of is this movie going to be weird and loved by a lot of weird people is if Haley squire shows up the like pregnant girl in the woods i'm like oh, oh. yeah she's here like she's been in she's been in some ben wheatley films she was in a uh, uh in fabric like if she shows up shit's getting weird yeah, so he's taken in by this family. They have a son who died in a war. They have a moody teenage daughter who does not seem to like Bo at all and has her own resentment towards her parents. There is another soldier who has PTSD that they are allegedly treating, but he seems very, very unstable. And I thought was, um, you know, not that PTSD is funny, but like the that character just doing like army barrels like in the background is like Bo's trying to have a phone call with someone I thought was just really funny um what did you think about kind of this second chunk of the movie of like Bo kind of like somewhat held captive by this family that on the outside seems very sweet but has maybe this this more dark malicious undercurrent to them it's a bit it's a bit where I was lost a bit it it slowed down a, a considerable amount and mm-hmm. even though it had really good moments of like that tension that same really like Ari Aster like trademark tension of like I wish I were dead right now yeah like I wish I were dead watching this um I think when it gets to the moment of him in that car, car. with the teenage daughter yeah. And him, she, like, taking the hit, hit of the the blunt, like, her, that That was when this section of the movie kind of wore down on me a little Kylie bit. Rogers in this movie and Sadie Sink from The Whale need to be friends. <laughs> Just the worst fucking teenage girls you've ever met in your entire life. That being said, I will say, she was a little justified in the sense of, I also wouldn't be happy if someone brought this weird-ass man into my house and made him sleep Who's in Who's living in your room? <laughs> oh, oh, also... <laughs> Such such a niche reference where I was like, oh my god, I keep forgetting that Ari Aster is technically a millennial because in her bedroom she had a parody poster um, of Confessions of a Teenage Llama Queen and it was everything like the Lindsay Lohan <laughs> movie but just with llamas and I was like, he's speaking to me. I got him on this one. I, I'll the, give him that one. It's It goes back to that that playtime thing of there's so many like funny little... It's, it's maybe you the only reason it. I want to see this movie again is to like take... I can't wait till this is like available to stream and people are just taking screenshots to see all the different like visual gags he's stuffing yeah. within the frame. Yeah, there's um, just like you know whether it's like all of the different like weirdly named K-pop bands in her room or like mm-hmm. the Disney references and that's just in one room of one sequence in this huge movie. It's so weird that I'm talking about this and I'm still like, nah, I don't like it. Yeah. I'm not, nah, diva, I'm not feeling it. Well, I, as as I said, I think that section of movie sort of begins to drag a little bit as we keep going um then we start getting more flashbacks of Bo's relation complicated relationship with his mother this cruise trip that they took this crush he develops on this young girl who is on the cruise um we eventually wind up in the woods where Bo runs into this um traveling theater group um who put on this elaborate show that then Bo imagines himself in that show and it becomes this almost like little animated short within the center of this movie that is sort of it has a punchline eventually it's it is a sort of visually dazzling like michelle gondry-esque sequence in in this movie that i i technically love but i think like your mileage will vary a little bit because like it does it does also hit a point where it's like wait where is this 
going and eventually it does get to i i think i think a point but it's not like an emotional realization point it's like it's a joke no it was my favorite sequence of the movie it's that's yeah. when i speak at the peak that's the peak for me uh it was uh animated. i i really liked it i yeah. just i just only to say that like i i think some people who go in thinking like wait is this gonna like re- like it sort of is and isn't connected to sort of the the overall story you've been saying it sort of feels like this small little vignette in the movie if that makes sense yeah, but, but i i, I agree with you me, i really like that it. and the entire movie feels like that so it's like cool fair you know i get that mm. you know yeah that whole thing um it was animated by Cristobal leon and joaquin kachina uh who are uh they're chilean right chilean and they did the wolf house which if you've ever i haven't seen the entirety of that movie because it freaked me out um oh. it is like the most do you remember okay do you remember that tv show on nick way back in the day in the 90s like kablam with that horror horrifying like stop motion shitty claymation it was either that or like there was also this claymation element on the amanda show as well that's just horrifying it's yeah it's just like you can see the fingerprints in it and it's like it's shitty around the edges but it's meant to be it's not like it's not bad animation. It's not anything like that. It's just a part of this really unsettling movie. And it, a, it Oh just... yeah. I remember this. There's like Prometheus and Bob, the like alien with the, yeah. the caveman. Yes. Yeah. I remember this now. It's uh, and it does not surprise me in the absolute slightest. Ari Astor loves that. Yes. Um, but yeah, very similar to that. It's not claymation this time around. It's more like, um it looks very like makeshift and like there's some 2d animation yeah. with it um yeah. i i think a, a a pretty like maybe the most visually stunning sequence in the movie by, absolutely by far. yeah it's um, gorgeous and then of course this sort of traveling troupe of uh actors is uh gone down or blown up because the <laughs> the family that Bo escaped from has sicked the uh ptsd war vet on on him is like that it's like very reminiscent of um the the kind of like biker warthog dude from um raising arizona that like chases down nicholas cage and holly hunter um and eventually Bo winds up in kind of the final act of the movie at his home um he sort of like we we learned during this part of the movie that his mother has kind of been controlling or sort is sort of the puppet master over his entire life um he runs into his former crush that has now grown into parker posey there is in my opinion i know you feel a little bit differently i to me the the hardest i've laughed at anything outside of succession this year this sort of like hysterically funny really uncomfortable sex scene with joaquin phoenix and parker posey where there are uh, where Mariah Carey's which Mariah Carey song is always it? be my baby where Mariah Carey's always be my baby uh plays and it is just like I it, I should should preface by like the the context for this is we learn in a fa- flashback that as a child Bo was told by his mother that if he ever ejaculated he would die and that's how his father died and so Bo has this constant fear of, you know, of, of anything of, sexual, of, of like anything sexual. And so he's having <laughs> this whole movie is like Parker Posey or this whole scene. Parker Posey is like riving Joaquin Phoenix while always be my maybe is playing. And always Joaquin, what? Always be my maybe. Oh, I always Netflix get it song? so confused with <laughs> that Netflix. That Netflix movie has ruined that song for for me of like always getting it confused. Always be my baby is playing, and Joaquin Phoenix is just like has this look on terror on his face the whole time, and it's just like no, 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 no. I- I'm scared. I'm scared. And I-, I was just like falling out of my seat laughing, and and then sort of the punch, the the final punchline to that joke where he finally ejaculates and is like, oh, thank God, I thought I was gonna die, and then looks up and he's killed Parker Posey <laughs> during sex, and and like throws her off the bed and then there's just this long shot of him like curled up naked in the corner like bug-eyed staring at her like like quivering in the corner or something like that then after that hilarious and very awkward sex scene uh patty lapone 
reveals herself as Bo's mother. She faked her own death in order to plo- This is the part of the movie where I think I kind as much as I love Patty Lapone in this performance, I kind of was lost by this part of the movie because it then becomes a lot of like, wait, so then we really lean into this like his mother is the puppet master over everything you've seen through the movie in his whole life and has sort of set this elaborate mousetrap in order in or set this elaborate mousetrap up in order to just have this giant gotcha moment and sort of like trial for her son to just sort of say like you were a terrible unloving ungrateful child and like you deserve to die essentially and like literally that's exactly how it plays out and like (laughs) it's it's a little underwhelming where it's like oh okay so we're not even going to try to like overcome any of this or like have any sort of like actual character journey it's like no this is like just lay down and take it literally yeah um and i i I admire that final sequence with him in the boat and there's the sort of trial happening around him if only because like it is it is was to me a sort of like visually as much as i was exhausted by the movie at that point i thought it was a visually powerful sort of literalization of like when you have depression and anxiety and you're constantly just sort of dogpiling on yourself and like yeah i yeah i i I deserve the worst stuff in the world to happen to me because i'm a terrible person um and i do think the last that last shot of the movie where he is kind of like mirroring the audience just sort of being like well he just sort of holds on the boat just sort of bobbing there and like the audience for the trial just sort just of like slowly getting up and leaves out. and then like people slowly in the audience just started getting up and leaving like oh yeah it's it's just replicating the audience being like well Literally, i guess that was it i saw I'm this just, guy die all right yeah. bye i'm going home and maybe to get take out yeah it was it was fully like that just, it just yeah it was just that quiet like oh like and that's the thing i feel like in some circles that ending of like oh bitch that's the ending hell yeah but there there was a guy in his early 20s sitting next to me that like fist bumped the air and screamed out hell yeah he did it again when that you know when the credits started going and you realized it was the end of the movie i didn't have like a terrible like oh wow like they really this up type of thing Mm -hmm. but my whole thing with it was more like it literally was like the movie of just like oh wow yeah that was kind of my feeling too like cool yeah i was like all right i guess i guess that's it yeah yeah like well you know it's a lot of girlfriends just like you brought me to this i sat through this oh like thanks uh yeah and that's just kind of again the way in which a lot of the vignettes are kind of set up it's like the not set up and the way in which they play out in order it's just very like up down up Mm -hmm. down but not quite as much but still just like after three hours if i'm not ending on an up i'm like yeah like i feel you on but also at the same time there wasn't a moment of this movie where i wasn't thankful that it existed yeah i I think that's i I was able to watch a movie like this at like my local imax that yeah literally took away screenings from mario to play this movie and i'm like i respect that and I'll I think the that. IMAX really works in in terms of being able to pick out all of that detail that's put yeah. into the production design. Um, I think, you know, to yeah. tie into your comment you made earlier about the the costumes in Chevalier, I yeah. like that this this should be a, an easy ride in for like best production design. In, yeah, in and it also helps too quite a bit that since the film is shot in a taller aspect ratio than mm-hmm. um, Midsummer and uh, Hereditary were, it gives you that like height and moment or not momentum, but like you know the height and like scale that IMAX really works at. It's not shot in IMAX, but like mm-hmm. it helps in, in it, that it sense. It fits the the aesthetics of the movie, I think, quite well. Yeah. And uh so it 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 it's weird, but it it's weird to say that it really does like benefit from the format, but it does. Um well any last Bo is is afraid thoughts before we briefly <laughs> switch subjects? I will watch it again eventually. I really sure. do want to give it a second chance. I want to like see because you know some movies just hit different on a second viewing, and maybe this is going to be that type of thing. 
it is a commitment and it mm-hmm. feels like it at quite a few points. There are some points where I'm like, oh, wow, this scene's been going on for like 30 minutes and it doesn't feel like it. But then there are some times where it's like, oh, my God, it's been 10 minutes and I feel like I've been here for eight hours. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, it goes back and forth. It's just it's just rather inconsistent for me because, again, yeah. it operates in such an episodic format almost that like. I think like anything that operates in that sort of format, not every episode is going to be, you know, yeah, Ozymandias or uh, Connor's funeral or not funeral wedding. Sorry. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to name uh, good episodes of TV shows I have not seen. Oh, I did. I did so, watch Succession, but I, I did, yeah. just not this season. That's so good this season. Um, or last season. Yeah, I uh yeah, I'm glad he made it. I'm glad I saw it. I'm glad whenever a filmmaker can get a big sort of like ambitious blank check like this, I'm still really excited for whatever this noir western he's doing with Joaquin Phoenix that's going to start shooting this month is going to be. Um I wouldn't be surprised if like we look back in another 10 years of after more and more Ari Aster movies and this is this is like his New York New York if that makes sense even though I think I like this movie a bit more than New York New York I think that's fair yeah yeah. you know or at least you know I'm very interested in the next film because I'm really interested to see how he can take kind of both the noir genre and the western genre and combine it into um something f***ed up with his mom still (laughs) um well, speaking of really messed Mommy up issues. stuff, more um, issues. You saw the new Evil Dead movie. I have but not seen yeah, it. It dude. was screening here in Atlanta the same night as Bo is Afraid, so I had to kill one of my darlings. I they didn't screen it anywhere in North Carolina. Nowhere. What? Not a single place in North Carolina. Trust me, if it was the same night as Bo is Afraid, I'm sorry, Ari Aster. I love you to death. I I would have nixed that shit in a second to see Evil Dead. Yeah, I thought it was and so even, weird that they scheduled them on the same night. And um, even post watching these movies, I will still attest to that. I will say I love the Sam Raimi Evil Dead movies. Um, I have not seen the remake from 2013, it's my um, which I don't know why I never saw it. I think it was just like a weird time where I like wasn't like a weird season where i wasn't seeing as many movies or may i you you've seen that movie so correct me if i'm wrong about this this is sort of like the take i heard about the remake at the time that i think made me a little like less interested in seeing it was like people were explaining it to me like yeah it's what if the evil dead but it had none of the humor of the evil dead movies and i was like that's kind of not really that appealing. It like it had all the grossness, See, but none of the that's the humor. what is appealing to me. Okay, I actually, I like the <laughs> Evil Dead Sam Raimi movies. Um, uh huh. I'm not over the moon about them. I think they're okay. all good, but there is I the first one's easily my favorite because it has the least amount of that like yeah slapsticky humor. I, I love the first two and think Army of Darkness is like solidly fun. Yeah. Um. But that's the thing is with horror, I like my horror to be horror. But see, the thing that appeals to me potentially about this new one is it does seem like, although I've heard from numerous people that it is one of the most gnarly, nasty things they've ever seen. The previews make it look like it's got some of that sense of humor back. A little bit. It's still more along the lines of the remake than it is any of the okay. other movies. Um it's it's not a sequel to the the 2013 film. You can see it without having seen the remake and miss literally nothing. It's completely divorced from that movie and it's completely separated from the original trilogy as well. Um I also I would also argue that Evil Dead Rise is not as gnarly as the 2013 film is. Okay. Um I would say the 2013 one really goes there, especially if you can find the unrated cut anywhere. It really like pushes that shit i think they had to i don't know if they ever had like an mpaa war with evil dead rise but i know with the 2013 evil dead i think they had to submit it like a ton of times to get it like cut down from an nc-17 um and one thing i also really liked about uh the 2013 evil dead is that they use almost exclusively all pros or like um practical effects Mm-hmm. including the it i think to this day still has the record for like most amount of blood used on a single film set um but yeah so evil dead rise 
uh, kind of takes the Evil Dead formula and shifts it to a more urban setting as opposed to the kind of tried and true Cabin in the Woods formula. There still is a Cabin in the Woods. Don't worry. There's still that in this movie. But the vast majority of this movie takes place in a, uh, in a high-rise apartment building, hence Evil Dead Rise. For some reason, I literally didn't put that together until I saw the movie and I was like, I'm an idiot. Like, you dumbass. Um... But, uh, but yeah, it kind of, it, it follows this very similar pattern that a lot of the Evil Dead films do in that there is, uh, particularly, again, the remake of we're following a protagonist kind of from the start, has their own f***ed up issues, has their own thing. Um, in this movie, it's not as f***ed up. In the, fir- in the remake, it's like, hey, this girl is literally a heroin addict and we're trying to detox her in the middle of the woods and she gets attacked by a demon and we think she's crazy because she's in withdrawal. Um, so none of us believe her and like then all of this stuff happens to us and we realize she wasn't lying uh this one it's like i'm a single mom going through a divorce um and my kids are stupid uh literally they're just not smart kids um and they both get taken over by a demon and do really horrendous things to not only each other but to themselves in a way that is incredibly gross uh and that shit speaks to me on a cellular level uh this one definitely operates on a bit of a smaller scale than the other uh the other evil dead films do particularly once they get a lot more crazy uh it's very it's a lot more kind of similar to the the very first evil dead film and that they are keeping it really to one single location and okay. rather than trying to do this really big grand like let's go bigger let's go badder let's do this whole thing of like let's do what we can do and do it exceedingly well of like as opposed to try to make evil dead an epic or something on a on a new warner brothers budget because it's shifted studios a hundred times um let's rather take a small cast of people in a small contained setting and let's make sure that every bit of like gore that we include is going to be something you most likely haven't seen before uh and if you have let's make sure that we're going to do it in a way that is uh more unsettling than you have seen before and that it doesn't look like shit uh there is and i think they pull that off pretty much entirely successfully uh, it takes a while to get there, unlike a lot of the other Evil Dead movies. It it takes about 30 minutes for everything to really kick into full gear. Mm. Uh, and this is a 90-minute movie, so it's once it gets going, it's moving at like a breakneck pace, where it's every gross thing you've seen in the Red Band trailer is happening one after the other. Oh, uh, okay. You know, it's like, oh yeah, that glass shard that like really freaked you out there it's literally like 30 seconds apart from the the cheese grater segment where it's like yeah you know it just like hits you at such like a quick speed that it's it's hard to really catch your breath with it once it really gets going um and it's yeah it's just great it's not a it's again maybe not quite as aggressive as the 2013 film but that's saying so much Mm-hmm. that's like you know it's hard to really like keep up with that this is still yeah. an insanely gnarly movie that if you are not you know versed in watching stuff like that or at least not ready to at least somewhat be a little traumatized by it which like that's half of the fun mm. um then like maybe don't check it out but if you do i it's at worst uh at least a good time and at best probably my second favorite evil dead movie okay yeah i am uh, directed I'm very poten- well as well I'm potentially sold uh and it is it is a a quiet a24 irish director who went from one of the talkiest horror movies i had seen in a very long time the hole in the ground to one of the most aggressive that i've seen in a long time it is an incredibly strange piece of hi- like directorial hiring, but uh, it paid off very well. It's like taking, um, I don't know, it's like having Joanna Hogg direct Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Ooh, well, 
Um, and now I've hyped myself up. God damn it. <laughs> uh, well, Hunter, thank you for stopping by this week. Um, I'm not sure what we're going to do next week on the latest because we got kind of a we got kind of a dip week before summer blockbuster season kicks off with Guardians of the Galaxy three. Seeing- I've heard Sisu is really good. That oh yeah, I have week. I have heard that. I just missed the press screening for that, but yeah. Oh, they didn't even have one here for that. Yeah. It's showing in Dolby here, so I'm like, maybe I'll like go see that since it's like included in my stuff. My stuff that, and then Polite Society is coming out too, which is like, oh, that's true. That kind of like it gives off a little bit of like everything everywhere, but I think yeah. that's, I think that's just the marketing. I think everything I've read about it, it's like no, it's definitely not that. It's just I like, heard from Sundance, it's like solidly fun. Yeah, kind of I've, I've heard, heard it's like it. a good like seven out of ten, a good uh, a good April focus features release. You know, yeah, for like a good time. But you know, it is definitely like the calm before the storm. Exactly. 